You're listening to Making Global Learning Universal, conversations about engaging diverse perspectives, collaboration, and complex problem solving in higher education, on campus, online, in local communities, and abroad. I'm your host, Stephanie Dosher, Director of Global Learning Initiatives at Florida International University and co-author of Making Global Learning Universal, promoting inclusion and success for all. You can be a bridge between the profit and the nonprofit worlds. You can take the, what you learn from social work and work it into your teaching and hospitality. And I thought that's, yes, yes, that's what I want to do. <laughs> Dr. John Bushman is a lecturer in FIU's Chapman School of Hospitality and Tourism. He's developed a global learning course, Social Responsibility in the Hospitality Industry, that's actually open to majors and non-majors alike. Now, there are a couple of really interesting things that bubbled up in our conversation, and one of them is John's own personal story, his childhood and education abroad, his international career in hospitality and tourism, and his doctoral degree in social work. John also thinks a lot about global learning and scale. He wants students to learn that change is a long-term step-by-step process, lots of small contributions add up to big increases in equity and sustainability. And so rather than task students with just one capstone engagement project at the end of the semester, John engages students in weekly challenges and lots of other small-scale activities that result in high-impact learning. So I invite you to listen as John shares some course design hints that might make a big difference for your students too. All right, so John, why don't we start with a little bit about your personal background and and how you came to global learning? What connects you to to global learning as a person and as a professional? Well, professional, I I uh, I've always been involved in global learning. My dad was a educator at Michigan State University and an early assignment of his was to uh, help create a department at the University of Nigeria in West Africa as that university was just being developed. And so as a young boy, I got to grow up and go to school in a very international environment because there were administrators, professors, consultants from all over the world coming to help on that project. And so their kids, we all went to the same grade school. So, I mean, that was from, the, from, uh, from there on, I was always thinking internationally. Got to travel quite a bit because of that. Um, my first year in college, I didn't know where I wanted to go, so I went to a university in the mountains of Mexico to learn Spanish. I mean, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Just expanding from that freshman year of, of going to a university in, in Mexico, uh, I learned a little bit about the hospitality and tourism industry from the travels, and it grew on me. I knew I wanted to do something, something globally, and it was, I, I, I experimented with international relations, economics. I looked into a f- few different areas, and they bored me, and when I learned that there was a school for hospitality, we had called it Hotel Restaurant Institutional Management, Travel and Tourism Management. Back in the day, it was some ridiculously long term, but it enticed me, and, uh, and then it was off to the races, yeah. 
Right on. So you worked in in that industry. Mm-hmm. So even from an internship, you know, working in the in, going through school, doing the uh, on campus type of work in the in the uh, university's hotel and conference center, just getting to know the nuts and bolts of how you run a hotel. Um, I scored an internship in on a little island off the coast of Rio de Janeiro. Um, boy, what an experience! <laughs> that would have been my junior year, uh-huh. <laughs> and then just uh, you know learning how to network in the industry, going to conferences, meeting uh, some of the international players, the hoteliers, the the travel companies, um, getting invitations to go to other conferences, to go visit their facilities. In I got to go to New York, got to go to Madrid, places like that as a senior. Then um, graduating from that program, interviewing with all of the the companies, the Holiday Inns, the Marriott's, the Westons, uh, Sheraton's, American Express, um, all global entities. Uh, Sheraton hired me and they had a Latin American division, found out that I could speak Spanish and then Portuguese from having been in Brazil, um, hired me right away for their Latin America division. Terrific, but okay, so now when we first met though, I associated you with social work. I wasn't thinking about <laughs> our, we have this ranked uh, school of, of, of hospitality and tourism, but I didn't, and I didn't know that you had a career in that at all. So, so how did you end up moving from this career in hospitality to <laughs> doing a degree in social work and now you're teaching in hospitality? It's all, it's all a, clear it up for me, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> Well, uh, after 28 years of working in the industry, um, almost all of it international, uh, I uh, got tired of it. I was traveling too much and not seeing the family enough and um, just feeling the pressure of all that. I decided it was time to make a shift in my life, kind of reinvent myself. So I came back to school. I found the Hospitality program, as you said, it's a highly ranked program. It had had some great reputation out there, and so um, being here in this area already, it was it was an easy choice. So I went and did my master's there. Through that, I learned how to teach. Didn't know I was going to become a teacher, but through that, you know, the the experience of being in the classroom, being asked to help with lessons, you know, talk from your experience, it just came naturally. It just felt right. I said, well, I think I found what I want to do for the rest of my life, you know, when I grow up. Yeah, right? cool. <laughs> and so, um, so I did that. I started uh, experimenting with teaching at, um, at the hospitality school here and also at the Culinary uh, Institute in Fort Lauderdale. And um, I realized and got advice from a number of people that uh, a Ph.D. would be a wise next move. Um, if you're going to go in that direction, go all the way. So there I started looking into, well, I've got 28 years in the business. I've got a, a, a bachelor's and a master's from highly ranked schools in that field. Do I really want a PhD in the same field? No, I want to try, I want to try a different direction. I, I fell into a project that involved the social work department here. Uh, we were looking at hospitality into healthcare. And, uh, and that felt right. And through that, the, one, one of the uh, professors in social work said, why don't you come and 
do your doctorate in social work. It's such a natural for for what you have in mind. It's the direction that you that you want to go. You can you can be a bridge between the profit and the nonprofit worlds. You can take the what you learn from social work and work it into your teaching in hospitality. And I thought that's yes. Yes, that's what I want to do. <laughs> Fantastic. And now here we are. So when we, so we, when we first met, th- one of the things that's happening in this podcast uh, process of interviewing folks that I've known for a very long time, I don't even remember when we first met. So, but c- I think you do. <laughs> yeah. Well, it happened that your office was on the same floor as the social work department. And, um, and I would walk right past it every time I needed to go in to see one of my professors about anything. Um, and I, if I'm not mistaken, your door was open, you were sitting there and I said, introduced myself and said, I, I see this global thing on your, on your name tag here on the nameplate on the door. And I was wondering more about that. I, I believe that's the way it came together yeah. and, and just introduced myself and then, you know, passing each other in the hall and then, um, Later on, then, I got an assignment from, uh, from Dean Newman to develop this, um, this course in social responsibility for the hospitality industry. Right. And so I think the next time I reached out to you, other than just waving as I go by, was, now we need to talk about this <laughs> now course. Now let's get down to business. Yeah. Yeah, we, we do have an open door policy. We were in the library. We were particular, it was actually the the provost's idea that we should be someplace that was central, where lots of students and lots of faculty would be walking by, not in an administrative office per se, but someplace where anyone who identified as being global themselves or international might be tempted to simply walk in and introduce themselves the way you did. And and now we are um, in another centralized place on campus. We're in uh, Primera Casa, the first building of the, of the university. It is an administrative building, but the second floor has um, a group of offices. We have the Center for Advancement of Teaching across from us. Um, our offices, which are student and faculty focused. We have um, an, a, a suite of offices that serve international students nearby. So we've always been very uh, strategic about where we were located so that we could help people make those kinds of bridges. So, so then we got down to business and you are developing this, this course. Tell us a little bit more about this course that does indeed bridge the nonprofit and the profit world. It also bridges, if I'm not mistaken, local issues with global issues. You you really make that explicit local global connection for your students. Right. Um, and, and, and you do that in a variety of ways. Share a little bit what, what social responsibility in, in the industry's course is, is all about. Sure. So... Um we have a term in the area of sustainability, which is very uh, closely related to social responsibility, um, and that is uh, think globally, act locally. Or you could turn it around, act locally, think globally. As you're acting locally, think of the global implications, think of the global connections. From the business side, there's another term called globalization. So. It's okay. 
they're the same thing. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, they're just taken from different different perspectives and contexts, and um, and so I have fun with my students bringing those 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 two together. Um, through this course in social responsibility, it, it began with, um, uh, I mentioned Vice Dean Diane Newman, her, her, her idea was to create this course as a service learning course. And so really engaging in the community. Um, and then it, it evolved into that should also be a global learning course. So we consciously worked to make sure that it was, it was strong in both areas. Um, and the, the, the interesting part, I think that you've already alluded to, is being able to connect the service, which is addressing uh, issues which may appear to be local, and getting the students to understand that these really are global social issues. And guess what? The companies you're working for are global too. Uh, most of our students work in the industry here as they're going through. They, they, they have to complete a thousand hours of of work in hospitality or tourism as a, uh, as a requirement for graduation. So they're working in front desks and restaurants and airports and cruise ports and things like that, uh, working their way through school. But they're working for the airport Marriott, they're working for the Hampton Inn, they're working for you know the Cheesecake Factory or something like that. And what surprises me, or it surprised me early on and doesn't surprise me anymore, is that they didn't tend to think beyond the, the walls of that place that they're working. They're working in the airport Marriott. They're working in, they're not working for Carnival Cruises worldwide, 106 ships all over the globe. They're working for one ship or they're working for a res center that's inside their headquarters, something like that. So the fun for me is to tease out of them these connections and you know, get them to realize that if they're working for a homeless shelter, this is not a local problem. It's a regional, national, global problem. If they're working for the airport Marriott, Marriott has 30 brands, and I, I lost track of how many uh, thousands of, of hotels that they have across the globe as Marriott worldwide. So first correction I make is, you're Marriott Air, uh, Miami Airport? No, you're part of Marriott worldwide. Go into their website. Start realizing how how the scope of this of this multinational firm. And we do that with every student in every um, in every case. One of one of the things they need to do early on is a case study. So they need to choose. And this week is fa in fact yesterday in class I was informing them you need to choose a hospitality or tourism company that's going to be your focus for the semester. I said you can choose a place you work if you want. But, and then I told them what I've just told you now. Um, so that's where we start. They start thinking, oh, yeah, what company am I going to choose? I'd like to choose one I work for because I'm familiar with it. But where they work is local focus. Right. So that sounds to me like you're beginning the course with a focus on this global awareness outcome. So our students' knowledge of um, the world's interrelatedness, um, and those are of issues and dynamics and problems and systems. So they're starting to think of themselves in their individual local job as part of a broader system. Um, at first, they're starting to think of themselves as the system of this this company. So the company is larger 
than my my workplace. What comes next, and how do you then kind of broaden and deepen students' thinking about um, about their global awareness, broaden mm-hmm, and, and mm-hmm. deepen their systems thinking, if you will? Well, another another uh, technique that I've been using, um, pre- I think, pretty much from the beginning of the course, is that um, I ask them where they're from. And they'll say, almost always, Miami. So, oh, really? You have a Hispanic last name, typically, very often, right? Or, uh, or, or French or, or English or something else. Um, do you know where that came from? They'll say, oh, yeah, Cuba. Of course, large Cuban-American community here in Miami. And I'll ask them, hmm, do you know where your grandparents came from? or your great-grandparents, and they say, well, I think it's Spain. Oh, Spain, okay. And then we'll go around the classroom and do that. Or online, we do it uh, virtually. And um, another way to expand that perspective of theirs, right? So where they work, who they are, Mm -hmm. right? As we get into service learning, they'll learn about issues food insecurity, they'll learn about homelessness, they'll learn about human trafficking, things like that. And we'll talk and we will go into the community and work hands-on in you know, volunteer positions in, in a homeless shelter or a food bank or something like that. And then I ask them to look deeper into the issue. Find out if you are doing a, a volunteer session, for example, at Feeding South Florida. That's local. What are they a part of? They're a part of a network of 200 food banks called Feeding America. Great. Okay, that's just this country. Let's go beyond. Oh, that's part of the global food banking network. And we do that for each issue. And um, through the course then, they'll learn different facets of of, of CSR, corporate social responsibility, and they'll um, learn some methods of things that they can do. They'll look into the, uh, the background of the company that they've chosen and they'll go into deep into their website and look at a corporate social responsibility report or a sustainability report and dig out, okay, what is this worldwide company doing? And I'm still working in the local, but I'm now thinking totally about, wow, they're all over the world doing great things. Um, and then they can start seeing ties between a mission statement of the corporation, their vision, their creed, their goals, their objectives. And they can start tying it to the local business and see, oh, are we following, are we in line? Are we in alignment with the corporation? And chances are they're gonna, they're gonna see that connection. And we try to do then the same with the, the social issue, a local entity, as I just described, expand it. So it sounds to me like you're doing a lot of work um, in your course around scale. And that's actually, if I'm, I'm now this is a lay person talking, right? So I'm thinking about scale being an issue that would be a professional issue, always thinking I mean, in terms of hospitality, you're thinking, okay, it's not just one bedroom and one set of sheets, but it's all these bedrooms and all these sets of sheets, or it's not just this one customer, but so many customers, so scale being always part of the profession, but you're using scale 
to also enhance students' global awareness, the connection between the local and global, their global perspective, the connection between their identity and, and the history of how the, the influences on, and the geographic and cultural influences on their identity and the relationship between those, and then also scale with the problems that students are thinking about. Um, could you talk a little bit more about this particular issue, because this is current, this is some, this is some work that we're doing together around food insecurity. Um, because th that's an issue that is, that's current, that's local. We're coming to understand more and more that it's an issue for our students themselves, and it has some overlap with the hospitality industry. Here's a case where it, you might even begin to look at it in reverse. From an early age, we're, we're learning about food insecurity, hunger, if you will, across the globe, Somalia and places that have, have true suffering and true hunger. Oh, right. There's always that thing that people, your mother will say, like, you have to eat that. There are hungry, hungry people in China. Right. Yeah. Right, right, yeah. And so I think all of us, in our brought up with this. And we are, in a way, blinded to the fact that it exists all around us. So something I work at with, with my students uh, is to get them to understand what is food insecurity in the United States like? What is it in the state of Florida? What is it in, in this region? And more recently, right here on this campus. Right. Right, you know, we've worked to develop a number of, of initiatives. The the um, student food pantry initiative is going great now. Um, we're working on developing a new initiative where students will collect uh, foods left over from events, tailgate uh, events at the stadium, you know, events at the basketball arena, events in the, the ballrooms, things like that, where more food is prepared than the number of people that actually showed up. What are we going to do with that? we have learned in recent years that we have a significant number of students right here who are struggling to get their degrees. You know, that's their main goal. And their resources are focused on getting that degree and not necessarily taking care of themselves. Uh, when the money runs out, you know, toward the end of the semester or the end of the month or whenever their cycle is, they find that, wow, I don't have anything left for food. I'm going to be eating ramen for a while. That's where these, uh, the awareness comes in. The students learning that there is a problem. Maybe they, their roommate uh, had an issue. Maybe they met someone in the classroom and said, I had no idea. Yeah. This person was actually going without food, you know, days at a time just to get through school. Mm -hmm. What are some other ways that you, that you have students practice making the connection between the local and the global? Yeah, so another... Uh, Really, it, it, it seems to them minor, but to me, very, very major, important part of the course are a series of uh, is a series of weekly challenges that they that they um, that they perform. They they take the challenge and and report how they did. So we have ten in a row. So we'll get in a couple weeks into the semester, and I think we're starting now for this semester. And they'll go ten weeks in a row with all of their assignments, their readings, their videos, you know, the quiz, whatever, 
And they all know that the last thing in the module is the weekly challenge. It's gotten to the point now where they look straight to that because they want to see what it is. They get excited about it, and they want to figure out when in the week they're going to try and take this challenge. I should probably move it to the top of the deck. But um, they look for that. Weekly challenge uh, could be to create more awareness about a particular issue, you know, food insecurity or homelessness or something like that. Or it could be to expand their, their minds uh, in a global direction. One of the challenges I ask them to do is to, wherever they work, whatever they do, use another language as much as possible. So I said, so first thing you do, and I give them a, a page that says, this is, this is a technique I have always used in my global travels. I try and learn 10 words in every country I go to before I get there. And I use them over and over and over again, and I'll remember them going forward. So I haven't been to Greece in 20 years, but I remember how to say Kalimera, Kalispera, Kalinikta, and how to order a coffee. So they really seem to enjoy that. So I'll get the... Uh, now, the interesting technique that's, that's added to that challenge is they report their results on Facebook. So we have a, a separate closed Facebook page, only my students and me, nobody else, and the teaching assistant when I have one. Um, so they'll feel more secure about sharing. Uh, what they're sharing is as though they were sitting in the classroom and raising their hand. So it creates, uh, especially for the online, because I teach both hybrid and, and online modalities. So, And when um, you say hybrid, do you have, uh, is it 50% of the, the class time students are spending online and 50% of them the time they're spending Correct. in person. And so you have a, either a hybrid or a fully online section. Or both. Okay, or both. This, this, <laughs> sem this semester I have both. Right. Now, those two sections are sharing the same Facebook page. So I've now expanded the ability to have discussions going on and learning from uh, what's happening with another student who I had one report in this morning from Ecuador, for example. Great idea. In the jungles of Ecuador. She's doing some some work assignment down there and she's taking my class. So um, what was I getting at there? So the... The weekly challenge. The weekly challenge of, of using language. So I'll, I'll see their, uh, their reaction to the challenge on the Facebook page, but I'll, all of my students will see it as well. And you start to see some of the others chiming in. Think, oh, that's so cool. Oh, I, that's interesting how you did that. I'm going to try that. So I'll see, for example, um, uh, a front desk attendant at one of the, uh, uh, one of the area hotels will say, um, you know, I've had a Russian family in the hotel for over a week now, and they never talk to me. They never look at me. I just thought they were cold. One time they came by the desk to ask a question, and I said something to them in Russian. From that moment forward, we were friends. Oh, and they would look for me. Yeah. And I would say, I don't know any more in Russian. It doesn't matter. The connection was made. Right. It opens doors like you won't believe. What tools do you provide, or do you just say to students, go out there and find the tools to learn these words? Well, I'll start with thank you. Right. So you can always use, you know, please and thank you. Yeah, so they can use Google Translate. They can. So I'll give them a list, for example. 
and I'll say, here is a list of everything I can remember. These are all the please and thank yous I can remember. And I just sat down one day and went back in all my travels, and, and they came out. And I probably had, I don't know, 30 languages I could say please and thank you. And I, I shocked myself. I didn't have any clue that I'd learned that much. But it, you know, over decades of work, you know, it was in there. And so I think they see there, okay, there's my professor showing an example of how his hospitality career has has led him, and he's sharing that with us, and let's try it, right? So right. That's um, a deceptively simple, yet <laughs> such a rich exercise. So each of these challenges are pretty simple, like, and they're kind of interpersonal and, and supposed to be fun, and students can do them individually, but then they reflect. They're not all fun. Oh, really? What do you mean by that? Well, to emphasize what food insecurity is, they have to go and live off food stamps for 24 hours. Oh, wow. So they don't actually apply for food stamps and get, you know, get, you know, get the benefit or anything like that. I tell them, the average individual that is uh, living off of uh, or, or, or earning uh, SNAP benefits, what, what we used to call food stamps, and the term won't go away. Right. I have to use it because that's what my students still understand is the term food stamps. But SNAP benefits is the correct term. The average is $4.50 a day. So they need to take that challenge, plan a day during the week where they can go shopping if they have to or find what they've got in the household, figure out how much each item costs, break it down, and see if they can manage three meals in the day for $4.50. Oh, wow. Wow, the react right. The reactions are tremendous. And does that open the door when you have all of the students in an equal power type situation, does, is that what helps to open the door for perhaps students who actually are living with SNAP benefits to, to speak up and share that information and then and make that, take that issue that you've looked at globally, food insecurity, and make it hyper-local? Exactly, that's exactly what happens. So. I think invariably every semester I'll have at least one student will post their, um, their reaction to the challenge, the result of taking the challenge, uh, where they say, oh, this was easy. Um, my family has been in this situation before, or I'm currently in this situation and I'm living with SNAP benefits. Um, and when they share that, mm -hmm. you can... You can almost hear a pin drop. Yeah, that's brilliant because what I hear you saying is that um, the minority view, the minority perspective, then becomes a privileged knowledge perspective. And the way you do that is by equaling the playing field. You challenge all students to experience something that only one or two students experience in the classroom. I, I think with all of the challenges, it's, it's interesting that I get really, really good reactions from, from a large number of the students because I take the challenge with them. Mm -hmm. So I, whatever I ask them to do, I do it. So if it's service learning in the community, they are going to see my post from whatever service I'm performing in the community. 
it really helps them quite a bit. They see the professor doing it, and they feel more comfortable about doing it themselves. When we have the ability to take students who are who are here locally um, to a homeless shelter or a food bank or something like that, I'll frequently I'll I'll organize a group event and I'll invite them because the students are are shy or they're they're reluctant to break out of that comfort zone. Um, they've never been to that part of town, for example. And so I'll try and make it a little easier by saying, okay, I'm going to be at this place. Who wants to join me? And we'll get a great little group, five, six students, um, go and work together. And that's even more powerful than just the individuals going. We have a final project that ties it all together. That's mm -hmm. really the the assessment, if you will, that 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 allows me to see that they that they get it from all angles. Mm -hmm. um, how have they taken that um, uh, the corporation that they they chose to look at in their case study, and how have they uh, learned from just a, a profile of a corporation, turning it into here's a future plan for this corporation. Ah, mm-hmm. Okay. So they'll look at the company um, and see, you know, what have they been, who are they, how big are they, thing, you know, the scope, the scale, things like that. But they'll look deeper into their record on corporate social responsibility, what they've done in the past. They'll learn some new techniques. They're exposed to more issues through the course. And then in their CSR plan, always a plan for the next year. So right now it would be the 2020 CSR plan for that corporation that they're writing. Uh -huh. So they're going from third person perspective of a, of a multinational to first person's perspective. I now work for them. I'm in charge of their CSR department and I'm expected to produce a, re a plan for next year based on my knowledge, my experience. And they do that. Ah. They do that, and so they'll. Uh, as you read these, it's it's really interesting to see uh, how how they'll take some uh, a corporation that's maybe been focused on just environment, environmental issues. You know, we're very a company that's very careful about uh, uh, reducing waste, uh, uh, electricity, water usage, things like that. Uh, you know, special shower heads in the in the hotel rooms that reduce the water, things like that. And then they'll add these other components into a broader plan. They're looking more at the social side in this class. Uh -huh. Yeah, and, and, and I think that's an, a very important point about what you said concerning the first person versus the third person perspective. And I'm going back to uh, Robert Hanvey, and we'll link to, to his article in the show notes about um, attaining a global perspective and 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 the idea of transpection, to be able to walk a mile in someone else's shoes. So we found, you know, over the course of faculty reporting what works and what doesn't work, to have students empathize, truly empathize with another perspective requires that transpection, to challenge the student to walk a mile in the shoes of an other. And so you're not just having students write a report from that third person, the company should do this, the company should do that. But I am the person responsible within the company and this is what I would do. And that makes all the difference for you. And from what I understand, we have graduates who, who then go on to work for companies in those, 
in in those fields and and now they've got this set of tools ready to go yeah that's where i get the biggest charge of all is when a student reaches out to me two three years later Ah. and says uh i'm working at this catering company i'm working for this hotel and i've noticed that they're um they're not very conscious about about food waste. And I remember working with you side to side at Miami Rescue Mission, serving all those meals, or at the South Beach Wine and Festival, collecting all the leftover uh, meals from the different chefs. And I want to try and influence that here. Yeah. Can you, you know, reconnect me with the person at the food bank or the person at, you know, that we met two, three, four years ago? Yeah. So those applied experiences, whether they're a case study, a scenario, a volunteering, uh, a larger project in a course, that those are truly equipping students with those skills that they're going to go on and apply as citizens and professionals. And you may not hear about it for years hence, but the, but the challenges that you present for your students in the course really does provide them tools that are applicable. You know, in in the real world, but that but that requires bringing the real world in into the classroom. So you also connect your students, I think, to professional organizations, even while they're students, right? Yeah, I, it's, it's something I very strongly encourage. Uh, it's something that I learned how to do as an undergraduate. It worked very well for me. Um, whatever their focus might be, if it's uh, in, in 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 hospitality, we teach you know. Uh, food and beverage management, we teach lodging, we teach uh, events management, we teach uh, uh, real estate investment, a number of different angles. I encourage them to get connected with, become a student member if possible, uh, of of a major uh, professional organization, whatever their interest is. Go to a local uh, event, network, meet people. It's probably going to lead to an internship or a job if you play your cards right. Oh, yeah. But also look into the possibility of representing that local chapter or representing FIU at one of their international conventions. Work towards that. Um, So a lot of leadership in your class as well. I mean, that's fascinating. So and, and I'm and what I'm thinking about leadership now, I, I want to talk with you a little bit about leadership and, and scale of, of global learning. So, you know, as you know, every student at FIU takes at least two global learning courses. We have over 200 global learning courses available to students, and they, those courses reside in every undergraduate department. In every, in every undergraduate program of study, the courses are baked in as either uh, required courses or, or as electives, and um, and and those courses often have themes that overlap. You have four themes in your course. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure what I've already mentioned, but we talk about uh, and we we have dedicated modules on food insecurity, homelessness, human trafficking, and. Um, health disparities uh, due to hygiene issues. And these are four issues. And I actually started just with food insecurity. And I expanded it as, as time went on. And as we learned more 
together, myself with my students, looking for different places to perform service in the community, we, 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 we start to find connections between homelessness and food insecurity, for example. We also look for hospitality solutions to these issues. This is what I'm really after. I want them to understand as hospitality managers, they can be aware of the issues, they can be aware of what's going on in their own operations and find opportunities to, to share, to help, to contribute to the local communities where they operate. So um, one, of the, uh, one of the areas which, which is really, uh, really exciting is the, uh, the, the fact that hospitality uh, produces enormous amounts of food I think I mentioned earlier, the uh, potential for waste is there. Uh, no matter how carefully you plan, you can't always predict how many people are going to show up for that banquet. Um, but another area where we've learned that we have an opportunity to share is in uh, soaps and shampoos and the little amenities that you find in the guest rooms of the hotels. Well, a few years ago, almost 10 years ago now, a gentleman in Orlando uh, had the had the brilliant idea of harvesting all that. Instead of having hotels throw that in the dumpster, you know, the little, the little mini bars of soap that you use once and oh, then they get, they get tossed yeah. away. There's still 90% of a soap content there. Well, for decades, everyone thought, well, that has to be thrown away. He invented a process to recover those, sanitize them, uh, uh, melt them down, turn them into noodles and form new bars of soap. And those soaps are shipped uh, all over the world, to particularly to disaster and impoverished areas, um, and also here domestically to homeless shelters. People living homeless on the street, you know, need need hygiene products as well as food. So I um, I have a, a module on that where my get where my students get involved in first learning about that process, and then um, uh, uh, looking at uh, where all those, where all those uh, benefits can be made in, 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 the, in, in the community. A lot of those students will work that uh, into their CSR plan as a planned initiative yeah. for their corporation, okay? Something that company had not been doing before. Guess what, next year I'm in charge, we're doing it. One of the things they have to do in their assignments is to write a letter to the general managers of all the hotels in the chain not just the hotel where they're working, the entire chain, convincing them that this is a great new initiative and you're counting on their support. Again, the leadership, the, ad the advocacy. So um, not too long ago, vice president, I believe, or vice provost for student affairs, we've had a, a reorg recently, uh, came to us and we were talking about how we could collaborate more. And one of the first things that he mentioned was this new knowledge that we have about students' food insecurity, uh, which is increasing and has an impact on student success. Students' ability to function in the classroom and, and, to, and, to, and to succeed, to graduate. So when he mentioned that to me, my mind started to make the connection between your class, we have an anthropologist at FIU, a geographer, um, we have an artist. We have uh, folks in, in, in international and public affairs who are all doing work around food. And we were able to connect and are developing an, an initiative so that students in all of those courses can 
contribute to what we know about food insecurity at FIU and develop ways to shore up the resources that we have. Um, so, so how do you benefit? How do you benefit as a professor? How do you how do you think your students benefit by the fact that we've taken global learning to scale and we have so many faculty and and all students are engaging in, in multiple global learning opportunities. Yeah, it's interesting. I'll get in. I'll get students too in my classroom that are not uh, hospitality majors. I will have psychology majors. I'll have uh, uh, international relations. I mean, the 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 very ones that you've mentioned uh, are are somehow migrating to my classroom, and in some cases, it's because they needed a global learning. Uh, credit on their record for, for grad. They, need, they had one, they needed one more, for example. Or in other cases, as they were just sort of looking through the, the, the various options, m the description of my course jumped out at them. That's exciting. And that leads to opportunities to tease some of their knowledge from different areas into what are primarily hospitality business students. Uh, and it leads to opportunities for them to learn from the hospitality students. I've even had a few students actually change majors after taking the <laughs> course, which is really exciting. Nice. But um, yeah, for faculty collaboration, for example, um, human trafficking is another. Food insecurity, human, all of the four issues that I teach have led me to get to know other faculty members who are also uh, uh, teaching perhaps the same issue, but a little bit different perspective, but still globally oriented. Mm -hmm. And um, we'll begin uh, talking about things and, and occasionally we'll guest lecture to each other's classroom. Right, because we have um, a, a course and a program in, in human trafficking in women's and gender studies, but then we also have another course in, and a global learning course in uh, criminal justice and you're treating it in the hospitality and tourism industry. So those overlaps are of, are of great benefit they to really you are. And, and to students. So I like to end the podcast by asking every uh, guest to just kind of make a recommendation for a resource, an experience, um, anything to expand uh, people's global perspective or a tool that they can use in the classroom with their students, anything that comes to mind. I mean, it's it's everything that I've been discussing today with you. It's it's these these are the little techniques that work for my for my students so well and work for me. Uh, you know, the weekly challenges, the 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 use of a different uh, um, medium such as Facebook. I, I mean, the, the FIU online people would prefer we focus everything in within Canvas. That's great. It's a wonderful wonderful tool, but students tr treat that like a textbook often, and they need to have some other method where they can more, feel more freely about opening up on these experiences and, and sharing and, 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 and talking to each other, as they might in, in the live classroom, but particularly in the hybrid where you have limited time in the classroom and online where you have no time in the classroom. Um, I found that, um, that the, having a dedicated Facebook page for the class reserved for those experiences, reserved for discussing those experiences, posting their results of the weekly challenges. They also post from their service learning activities when they're out in the, in the community. And um, that really works to make a, a dedicated space to 
talk about things and and share ideas that are much more personal. Yes. Whereas the work that you do through the Canvas shell is more scholarly, and then probably on their own, the students are going to make dis- those connections between the two spaces, but to but to use the different tools to have students think in different different ways that they're accustomed to. They're accustomed to thinking in a scholarly way using Canvas. They're accustomed to making more personal connections with with the with the secure Facebook. It's the digital generation. They're the, the, it's the social media generation. And so I'm meeting them on their terms. When we do the uh, uh, service learning events where we're, we're going to go together in a group, we'll switch over to WhatsApp. And so we'll immediately have whoever's going to participate in that particular event is now on a dedicated WhatsApp chat. And so everything that's happening in, in sometimes just logistics, how do I get there, where do I park, things like that. But then the experiences can also flow through that too. Right on. Yeah. John, thank you so much for sharing the, the multiple ways, especially that you uh, are focusing on students' global awareness and, and all the work that you do for our community, our local community, our community nationally, especially around these, these issues of food insecurity and, and human trafficking and, and issues that, um, that touch everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Making Global Learning Universal. This podcast is brought to you by FIU's Office of Global Learning Initiatives, Media Technology Services, and our Disability Resource Center. You can find all our episodes, show notes, transcripts, and discussion guides on our webpage, globallearningpodcast.fiu.edu. And if this episode was meaningful to you, please share it with colleagues, friends, and students. You can even give it a rating on iTunes. Thanks again for tuning in and for all you do to make global learning universal.